Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to Wada Hockey. This is episode one, and I am joined by Patrick Smith and Jason Aguire. And my name is Sir Jeffrey Fink. We are happy to be here with you. Guys, how's it going tonight? Going pretty well. I have to say I'm a little disappointed that we don't have Stars Hockey anymore, and it's not for another three months. I'm having withdrawals already. I, I definitely relate to you on that. Jason, how are things on your end? Um, Just a little sad. I mean, I know we're going to talk about the season coming up, but I'm just a little bit sad. I, I will get over it, and we will prevail, but just I need my time. I need my time. Same. Definitely same. Yeah, I had to take a little break from social media for a couple of days so I could avoid seeing the Tampa Bay Lightning celebrate the Stanley Cup victory. But we are here. It is October 12th. We are about, what is it, two weeks since the season ended. And just going to bring you some Stars updates. Uh, First and foremost, uh, Jason Patrick and myself were writers for a website called Sports Media Pass that unfortunately perished due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But we are all Dallas locals and wanted to continue to bring everyone stars news and Texas hockey related news. So that's why we are here. And first and foremost, let's just jump into the grades for last season because obviously it's hard to grade a season that had a five-month break. But uh, Jason, what would you say? What, what kind of grade would you give the Dallas Stars 2019-2020 season? Honestly, if I have to uh, rate the entire season based on the season, you have to give them at least an A, right? They made it to the Stanley Cup uh, finals, not just into the playoffs. I mean, we just, I know right before the break, we kind of looked really, I mean, let's face it, we looked shitty going into it. And let's, I think COVID was probably the best thing to happen to us. Uh, we used those first couple warm-up games to get our feet under us and kind of, you know, get loosey-goosey in time for playoffs. And we just hit our stride, and then it was perfect. So, I mean, you have to give them at least an A for making it. But, I mean, prior to COVID, I mean, we're a tank. We're starting to tank. So, it's C-minus, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I like that. Yeah, I definitely think the uh, the pandemic, obviously a terrible thing that's happened and well wishes to everyone that's been affected by it, but definitely helped the team because they were on, I want to say a five or six game slide going into the break. But yeah, definitely uh, came through and used the rest wisely. So Patrick, what would you, uh, what would you grade the 2019-2020 Dallas Stars season as a whole? COVID and postseason included. So I think I have to break my grades down into the three distinct sections that the star season was broken down into, which was Jim Montgomery, then bonus transition, and then COVID and beyond. Right? Because I think as stars fans, we sat through the chaos leading up to early December when Montgomery was fired for, um, what was it, conduct detrimental to the organization, something like that. Yes, yes, exactly that. And so I think for that first that first section leading up to Montgomery, Monty's firing, I would probably give us a B- minus because that was some of the worst hockey to start the season that I'd seen in a while. 
I think historically, I think historically you're right. I think historically it was one of the worst seasons in Dallas Stars history, at least for them coming to Dallas. So you are right. Yeah, I mean, you get, what, three points in nine games to start the season. And you're on the verge of going 1-8-1 one, and one before Alexander Radulov somehow starts the miraculous comeback against Minnesota. The team turns it around yep. and has just the most wild win streak slash point streak. I believe it was up to 15 games at one point where they got at least one point. I think 13, one and one maybe. Um, and then, you know, we're starting to get into the groove and Monty goes on the ticket and the next day he's fired and this, the wild speculation starts. Yeah, Monty on Monty. Monty on Monty was the catalyst. Yeah, that was that was a Monty yeah, on Monty. That was the catalyst, according to the Twitter experts. Uh, as we now know, that oh, was not yeah. the cause. But um, so B minus leading up to Monty's firing, from Monty's firing to the end of the season, I'd probably give us a, a B. They started to rattle off more wins. Um, obviously, the Winter Classic was just magical for stars fans and i think we were able to treat hockey fans across north america to a great game and show that the south can represent in the nhl i mean we had eighty thousand people show up and boy did we all show up for that that was amazing to experience for fans absolutely i mean if your city hasn't hosted one yet i highly suggest you Get on board yeah get 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 on that get on that city start lobbying your teams and say hey we need if Dallas can make it happen, anybody can anybody make it happen. Can make it happen. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about like 80 degree temperatures like a week before leading up to it or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It couldn't Whether they were actually day. even going to be able to have the game was definitely up in the air based on the weather the week prior. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, turned out to be a magical day. I mean, there was no sun in the sky, which everyone loves a sunny day. Uh, except for me, I love cloudy days, and cloudy days are best for hockey because you do not have to worry about the sun glaring off the ice and then obviously the ice melting itself. But yes, it came out to be a perfect day. I think it was, what, mid mid to low 40s, 50s, somewhere between 45 and 55. I mean, you just could not ask for a better day for outdoor hockey. Yeah, no, that, the fair scene, uh, the game itself, minus... Corey Perry being Corey Perry, everything <laughs> was yep. about as everything went about as well as I think the NHL could have hoped for. So yeah, that was just a perfect day of hockey. To avoid rambling on, you know, the Stars rattled off about I think eight losses from mid-February to the season pause in March. I think when the Stars jumped back into the bubble. The game against Nashville did not go well. The collapse against Vegas did not go well. Colorado dominated us. And then we somehow managed to eke a win out against St. Louis in overtime. And then from there... Which was sweet, sweet revenge, oh yeah. I might add. It was... Uh, I had to, that was when I realized my Luka World All-Star jersey, jersey was going <laughs> to bring us some luck. And I wore it for, I think, four of the other overtime wins. I saved it specifically Beautiful. for overtime. You can't, yeah, you can't I'll drain take the some juju. credit for that. Thank you. There you go. And then, you know, the rest of the run, 
as disappointing as it was to end in game six, you know, you don't get a trophy for being runner up, I guess. At least not the one you want. Right. How the postseason started, how the series against Calgary started, uh, I got to give them an A plus for the postseason just to turn it around the way they did to go from looking completely discombobulated at the beginning of the postseason to the overtime win in game five. They ran out of gas in game six, and I imagine we'll dive a little bit into the laundry list of injuries. But if there was something between A and A plus for the overall season, that's what I would give them. A plus for the postseason for sure, though. I mean, I think that's a valid point. I think you've got everything pretty much nailed down as far as grades go. Um, I'm going to keep it short. I, I, I completely agree. Um, I actually want to go with more of a, a B minus, a C to a B minus for the first half of the season. We'll call it the Montgomery era. Uh, but for them to bounce back when Bonus was named head coach to, to kind of go into the Winter Classic and have a little steam behind them, uh, you got to give them at least a – I would say probably a B plus, a B to a B plus for the second half or the bonus part of the season. Um, and then I'm right there with you. A plus for the postseason. Every single series they played in after those round robin games, people counted them out. I don't think they really had a lot of confidence with themselves coming out of those round robin games. And they met some of, if not the best teams in the playoffs, obviously with Tampa Bay winning the Stanley Cup. But you got to give credit where credit is due to the Flames, put up a great fight. Uh, and then you have the Avalanche, which I want to say odds on are still one of the top favorites in Vegas for uh, winning the Stanley Cup in the next season, which I'm hoping we get on January 1st of 2021. But yeah, to jump off what you were saying, Patrick, let's let's just take a quick dive in and kind of share with people that may not know about this laundry list of injuries. Uh, the biggest one being Tyler Sagan. I think we all saw a big decline in production from him, uh, not only numbers-wise, but physically you could tell that something was off. He ended up having a torn labrum, which he's going to have to probably have surgery on. That's going to carry about a four-month recovery time. And then you have Blake Como, who separated his shoulder, in the, the final series, I think it was a big hit in game two or three. I can't remember exactly when, but it's pretty much one of those hits where when you see him go down, you know he's probably not going to come back up. Uh, you have Jason Dickinson and Rupe Hintz both battling ankle, hip, and foot injuries, uh, both of them having to be shot up before and after periods of play so they could at least slide their boot on. Uh, Roddick Foxa, broken wrist. Um, John Klingberg, he injured his shoulder in the round robin, but he was able to battle through it. And then Miro Heiskanen with a hip injury in the Vegas series. And then not to mention last, but certainly not least, the fact that Anton, Anton Hudobin had arm surgery last week to treat numbness in his hand. And when he was asked about it, he said he still had three good fingers to hold on to the stick with. So just an absolute battle hardened team. Do you think Dobby's injuries came from carrying his team throughout the playoffs, honestly? I absolutely 100% do. The man was on a mission. He was pumped full of the Russian sauce, which me and some friends have decided is basically just vodka with creatine mixed in it. See, so, he came out and said that he was not a big vodka guy for being so Russian. He's, a, he's more true, of a red wine guy. Yeah. Which, which being a, a, a savant of red wine myself, uh, really related to. So I think a, a Halloween costume is in line for me to be Anton Hudobin for Halloween. I don't know if you, you or anyone that's listening has seen the picture of Anton Hudobin sitting in Aspen, Colorado with a teacup and a white robe and Uggs on. I think those are life goals for us, though. So. 
Absolutely. But yeah, so I mean, it just goes to show you what an absolute wagon the Stars had in the postseason and seeing how many obstacles they had to battle through just to make it not only to the Western Conference Finals, but the Stanley Cup Finals. So with that being said, we've thrown a lot of names out. And I think it's time that we go over the signings that the Stars have made with Jim Neal and company thus far. So just going to rattle off the names. We can go over terms. We can go over money here once we get the names through. Um, Andre Sekera was the first one. You bring him back. Radek Foxa, which he was announced along with Joel Esperance, I believe yesterday uh, or Saturday, I, I think it was. Um, Michael Pisick or as the howtopronounce.com website likes to call him, Michael P-Y-S-Y-C-K. And, of course, the aforementioned Anton Hudobin, all signed, all locked up, some of them for up to five years. But what do you guys think of the signing so far? Who sticks out the most? Who's going to make the biggest impact? What's going to be a surprise guy? Uh, personally, I like to think Dobby is going to make the biggest difference here. Uh Locking him up for three years. What was it? 10 million, I think it was. Three years, 10 yeah, million. Three years, 10 million. I want to say 3.3 or 3.5 annually. It just kind of goes to show, okay, where's the star's head with this uh, goalie combination? Is, is, Bishop, is Bishop still going to be the starting goalie? What are we looking at here? Uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun going forward. So I'm going to sit back and watch it like it's Bravo and watch all the drama unfold. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we've got a very nice 1A, 1B type situation as opposed to a 1A, 2A type situation that some teams might be coasting into the next season with. I mean, what what's the guy that sticks out to you? Uh for me, I'm going to go I'm going to have to go with Radic Foxa. Like you mentioned, he was included in that injury report uh that Jim Nill gave out last week with the broken wrist. And I think we really saw just how much of an impact he makes on the penalty kill. He eats up a lot of time uh, in that first penalty kill unit. And when he's not on the ice, Tampa Bay was just able to move the puck however they wanted. I think at one point they were 7 for 19 on the power play, which uh, that's not good, to say the least. So I'm going to... Very yeah, poor. That's uh, that's not ideal in the Stanley Cup final. So I'm going to have to go with Radic Foxa. If we can shore up the penalty kill, fingers crossed we make it next year, I think we'll see a huge difference. Maybe not allow a team to go almost 50% on the power play and uh, see if we can push it to <laughs> yeah. seven against whoever the Eastern Conference team is if we make it and hoist the cup at the end of it. I think you're you uh, pretty much hit the nail on the head with Foxa. I think uh, to, just to add one one tidbit with him is I think he's developed into one of the most pesky players in the NHL to play against. You look at him after the whistle and you see guys getting in his face and you see him getting right back on their face. And I think he's starting to get under the guys around him on the opposing team's skin, which is honestly something that can translate miles as far as making an impact on the team. Jason, just to kind of go off what you were saying, Anton Hudobin is signed uh, for three years at $3,333,333 in zero cents. So three, 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 three. Um, so many threes. 
Yeah. Uh, Roddick Fox, so we've got him short up for the next five years at 3.25 annually. Uh, that honestly, too, is huge because he gave the Stars a huge discount. I think he could have got a short-term deal for quite a bit more elsewhere, but thankfully we've got a really good locker room uh, where people want to stay. I mean, you heard the interviews with Anton Hudobin where he kept saying, call Dallas, call Dallas, call Dallas. So I think that's something that you can really take and run with going into next season. Uh, the guy that actually sticks out for me, I'm going to go with some some uh, underdog ghost-like picks. I, I think Michael Pissick is going to come in and be something that we could really use on the bottom uh, half of the blue line, and that's going to be a scoring defenseman. I think there is a major concern with Steven Johns right now and his health going forward, whether or not he's going to be able to finish his career and finish his contract, which is uh, super upsetting on a personal level because you never want to see anyone, no matter who you root for, uh, go through what he's gone through with the possibility of never playing the sport that he loves again. I think a couple of underdogs coming into next season that are going to affect the team are Mark Pissick and Joel L'Esperance. Uh, Mark Pissick is a guy who can score on the bottom line of the D-men for you, or bottom two lines of the D-men for you. Uh, when you have Steven Johns, who was dealing with post-traumatic concussion headaches uh, that caused him to miss one year already, there is a speculation that he may be hanging the skates up. And you hate to see that. It doesn't matter who you root for, what team you root for. You never want to see a guy lose the ability to play the sport that he loves, no matter what the injury is. So there is speculation that we may have seen the last of Steven Johns. He was one of those names that was on the injury list that had to be taken off the ice, but it wasn't because he was actually injured. It's because he was not comfortable enough to play. So you definitely have some have some concern for Steven Johns going forward. So Pissick, someone that you can see taking that role, but also being a little more on the offensive side of defense because he was listed as a forward a couple of seasons. So he's actually technically a forward slash D-man. And then Joel Esperance, this is a guy who's kind of bounced up and down from AHL to the NHL. To me, he reminds me a lot of Dennis Garionov, where I think he's going to break out of the scene one of these days, and he's going to be a guy that you just got a fantastic deal on. Obviously, he's an AHL skater, so they've signed him to a two-way deal, which is going to be a lot, a lot cheaper. I think they got him for $725,000 a season for the next two seasons. So keep an eye out on Les Bronze. I think he's going to be someone that comes up if someone does end up getting injured uh, throughout the season. So, But that being said, that's about a wrap on all of the free agents that are – well, the free agents and people that we have signed and extended. We've got two guys we need to talk about real quick. We've got Rupe Hintz and Dennis Garionov, two arguably of the biggest names on this roster because they are the youth that is going to push forward. They are the only unrestricted free agents, I apologize, the restricted free agents that we have left to sign. Guys, are we going to sign them? And if, if so, when? I think we have to. We've seen how much Dennis Garionov can take over games with the four goals against Calgary, with the overtime winner against Vegas, that one-timer um, from the right circle is just nasty, and there's almost no answer for it. And he's one of those guys that can fly up and down the ice no matter who he's paired with. He gets the defense on their heels. He causes issues. He can be a bit of a pest um, in the offensive zone, too. Not as much as somebody like Foxa or the FCC line, but... There have been times where he'll get under their skin, so um, I think Gurionov is a priority. No offense to Rope Hintz. 
I think he's probably the first one that we have to sign just based off his playoff performance alone and the growth that he's shown over the past year. Okay. See, I'm going to, I'm going to take the opposite. I'm going to go with Rope here, man, the Finn. I mean, he's super intelligent, super high, like hockey IQ. I mean, he, he was uh, almost perfect throughout the playoffs. So like one more, I mean, Dennis obviously stepped up a little bit too, but Rope, uh, aside from injuring his hip, you know, just, I mean, he was there. He was on it. I agree. You can't really split the Finnish Mafia, which came out on the scene in the uh, the playoff run. Uh, that being said, there are just those two restricted free agents left, and we've got six point six million, just over six point six million left in the salary cap. We have three spots left on the roster, so I actually think we're going to see them signed on the same day. I don't know how they're going to split the six point six up. I don't know if they're going to split it up and actually leave a little bit for maybe a veteran minimum style signing uh, a la Corey Perry. Um, that's another guy who is an unrestricted free agent uh, testing the waters. And we may see him back in victory green next season. I believe Jason Spezza signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs for the bare minimum 700,000. I don't know if that's the bare minimum, but compared to say a Tyler Seguin earning 9.8 million 700,000 is a little minimum. You kind of wonder if Jim Nill is talking to Hintz and or Gary Onoff and saying, listen, we're going to shore you guys up long-term. Uh, give us another year contract or another two-year contract at this amount. Prove it to us that you can earn it, and then we'll we'll load your pockets. We'll make them fat, but we need to go get this agitator and Corey Perry. So very interesting to see what they're going to do with that $6.6 million. Uh, a couple of guys that we're not going to see in victory green anymore. Uh, Matthias Yanmark signed with the Chicago Blackhawks today. And I believe they signed him for a one year, $2.2 million. Hey, how are you? Thanks for coming out. Yeah, they can take that uh, one. Your services are no longer needed here. Uh, love Matthias Yanmark, the person, the player. Love what he kind of showed to the community. Again, it's really hard to leave this locker room, I bet, for these guys, especially after what they went through. Uh, but he couldn't finish. And that's something that to me is not worth $2.2 million. So um, obviously wish him the best of luck, but I just don't, don't see it working out. Uh, I didn't see it working out. Uh, another couple of players that may not register on a lot of people's um, radars that will no longer be draping the victory green. Uh, it looks like we lost Gavin Bayreuther. Uh, I believe he signed with the St. Louis Blues on a two-way deal. Uh, you know, he was another guy that was just teetering uh, on the AHL, NHL line, played a couple of games uh, in Dallas and for the Dallas Stars, but spent a, a majority of his time with the team down in the Texas Stars, a or the AHL affiliate Texas Stars. Uh, moving on from those that we have lost this year, um, I'm going to jump into this real quick and kind of take this and run a little bit. Just want to go over the AHL call-ups that we may or may not see going into next season. Going to keep it short and sweet. Uh, a couple of top names. I've already mentioned one, Joel Esperance, center. Um, he's just a guy that that exudes that confidence that Dennis Garyanov showed you last year. Uh, a lot of people don't even remember because it's been so long ago that Garyanov actually got sent down for part of the season to the Texas Stars, 
to kind of reassess and retrain himself, so to speak, to get back on the ice. Uh, a, a couple of guys outside of Joel Esperance, uh, Nicholas Camano, he played in the Stanley Cup Finals. He's a right wing. He's a bigger guy, 6'2", 194, ding, ding. He's a guy that you can definitely see coming back up. He's got the long flow. He's got the flow that sticks out of the helmet, and he's not afraid to throw the body, which I really appreciate. Um, another guy that I don't think we're going to see in the AHL anymore because he's played himself into a spot, Joel Kibiranta, uh, the hero at multiple times in the Stanley Cup playoffs, um, most notably the game-winning and series-winning hat trick and game-winning goal against Colorado to win the Western Conference. And then Jason Robertson, you saw him a little bit in the NHL last year. He's bounced up and down. He's got a brother up in Toronto who debuted, made his NHL debut in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Jason Robertson, big 6'2", 200-pound, left-handed left winger. He's got a hell of a shot, great wrister. He's a kid that with a little bit more development, he's going to staple this franchise moving forward. And last but certainly not least, a guy that's been kind of bounced around who actually isn't in the AHL right now, uh, Ty DeLandria. He was your first-round pick in the, I believe, 2018 or 2017. No, the 2018 NHL entry draft um, that was held in Dallas. He was a guy that came on the scene and I believe plays in the OHL yeah, it looks like he played a couple of games in the AHL at the end of whatever last season wanted to be called. So he plays for the OHL Flint Freebirds. He is the captain of the OHL Flint Freebirds. He has been putting up numbers pretty much the moment that he stepped on the ice with this team, playing 67, 60, and 47 games with 59 points in his first season, 63 points in his second season, and 70 in his most recent season, where he actually played the least amount of games. He put up the most points. So 32 goals, 38 assists in his 2019-20 campaign with the Flint Freebirds of the OHL. I think you see guys like this making a major case to step up and join the team coming up in the next season. Uh, one name that I can't believe I didn't come out with that I need and needs to be said is Thomas Harley. He's your most recent highest draft pick aside from Maverick, who is just drafted last week. Thomas Harley is a young 19 year old left-handed defenseman. He exudes confidence. He's already gotten to play a couple of games with the big boys in some, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Pivotal? No. Um, oh. I mean, real game time situation. Yeah, he played in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. And so, was he yeah. in the round robin mm -hmm. games? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Harley has already played in some pivotal games in the round robin tournament. The fact that he's got that experience already under his belt is huge. He's actually not even listed at a, at a minor status. He's still listed at a junior status. So he's a guy that is already getting some rumblings going as if he's going to be one of those guys on the bottom of your blue line. So definitely another eye to keep, or another guy to keep an eye out for moving forward. Looks like he played uh, in the second bubble game against the Avs when we lost four to nothing. That's right. I want to say maybe someone, I can't remember who was hurt, or maybe they were just rotating guys in to see how they would fit together. I think it was more of a rotation deal. 
Right. Yeah, the was limited to like six minutes, I believe. So not much mm-hmm. experience. Just wanted to get his feet wet. Yeah, which I think is is even though it was only six minutes, I think that's that's enough for him to obviously be hungry and go. I want to be back as soon as I can be. And he's got a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he is the youngest non-roster defenseman that we have at 19 years old. Um, so you definitely want to see him make a case for himself. We've got him signed through 2023, 2024. So it's definitely one of those situations where we may have possibly another Miro on our hands, maybe just not as flashy, uh, but on the defensive end, someone that can really push his weight around. I mean, the kid's only 19. He's got nowhere to go but up. The kid's got to put on a little bit of muscle, but I definitely see him coming in and causing some havoc. So as far as the rest of the show goes, I really just want to kind of pick your brains and see what you guys have planned for this next season. Uh, do you see the stars making it far? What are your predictions moving forward? What is, what's your ceiling? Actually, I think we all know what our ceiling is. We want to be back in the Stanley Cup. We want to be back there contending. Does it not have Cup or bust now at this point? I completely agree. Stanley Cup or bust. But let's be uh, let's be realistic here for a moment and just kind of see what you guys think uh, we're going to see from the Dallas Stars moving forward. I think without being too pessimistic, obviously I'm right there with you guys that it's Stanley Cup or bust since we were a game away. But I think if the Stars don't make at least the Western Conference Finals, then the season is a bit of a failure. I know those are high stakes, but they were an inch away in 2019 with Jamie Benn's wraparound from being St. Louis and going to the Western Conference Finals. Um, They're injury-ridden this year. So I think if we can stay healthy, pending how condensed the season is, how many injuries they ha- they take playing through however many games the NHL is going to fit in a six-month period. Uh, I think Western Conference Finals appearance is the bare minimum for a successful season. And I don't think that's... I think, I think you're right. I don't think that's too far as a question, honestly. If we can manage our time in the box, I mean, aka stupid penalties. I, I mean, I call them stupid penalties by rads, but at the same time, like, nine times out of ten, he was... Always there to, I was like, all right, they get, I gave up a power play goal, but you know what? I'm going to turn around and get two more just for the hell of it. Like, he, for the most part, would do that. But unfortunately, you know, it was the stats, you know, it just became backlogged, you know? It was so great early in the playoffs, and then it kind of backfired on us when we needed it the most. You kind of have to wonder how many of those penalties that Rads gets called on him are just reputation penalties. There was a few in the Tampa Bay series that I'm not sure he did much. He didn't do much of anything. No, there was a lot in the Tampa Bay series, absolutely. And I think he, he noticed, you know, he was getting called for, like, okay, if I skate too close to uh, Kucherov or something, like, I'm going to get called for it. So I think he noticed that, and then just he got a little too close. And obviously, like, there was times he didn't even commit a penalty. And, like, I think there was one on that hook where he – he was being cooked, and he, you know, he was just like, "Hey, man, like, what the hell are you doing?" Yeah, 
and then we get the call for it. I think you're completely right. I, I want to do say real quick, or I want to say real quick as far as Rads goes, I was I was a little bit concerned there for a couple of days uh, right after the season ended that his contract was going to be the one where they tried to move that around and clear up some cap space. We have him signed uh, through the 2022 and 23 season at 6.2 a year. Uh, so that is one contract that I was worried was going to get offloaded uh, for some cap space, which you're seeing right now with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, who just signed Alex Petrangelo to, I believe it was seven years at $8.8 million a year. Um, huge contract, huge. but they had to ship off uh, Schmitty to the Vancouver Canucks, and they're still over the cap space by a couple of hundred thousand dollars. So uh, you look at Jim Neal, you see the work that he's done on this roster, and outside of the two gigantic contracts that you've given to your alternate and your captain, uh, Ben and Sagan, uh, you, you kind of feel a little bit better about the years coming up. Um, I think those are both, uh, or I think that's a, it's a lofty goal, but I think it's a realistic goal. Uh, Jason, what, what do you, what do you expect from this team moving forward? What is your, uh, what is your ceiling and, uh, what is your floor? What do you think is going to be, what do you think is going to be the oh shit moment if we come to that point? I have to agree with you, Patrick, uh, with the Western Conference Finals. I mean, why not? I mean, we proved to be a great team, and when we were all on, when we were firing on all cylinders, it worked. You know, I I, I genuinely feel that if we had a legit two goalie backup situation, that we wouldn't be talking about next year. We would be talking about the high from the Stanley Cup still. Uh, you know, if Bishop was healthy, obviously, I think we why not, right? Why wouldn't we be skating the cup this year? But I mean, at least the Western Conference Finals this year for us. I think that I think you're right. I think you're um, right. I I will be the uh, I will be the naysayer on this one, or not the naysayer, but I'll be kind of the other side of the pendulum. You'll be the devil's advocate. It's fine. I get it. I'll be the devil. I'll be the devil's advocate. I I want to see this team make the playoffs, obviously, and make a deep run. I will not be disappointed if they were to be knocked out in the second round. Um, that's just coming from knowing how hard it is to continue to be successful in the NHL uh, with how spread out the talent is right now. Not only how spread out the talent is, how low the cap is. Uh, obviously, something that a lot of people tend to forget is how much money these teams have lost because of the fact that they weren't able to house any crowds for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think it was said that Dallas alone lost upwards, and that's this is just the stars, this is not counting the city, um, upwards of $35 million in profit just from merchandise. Well, not so much merchandise, but ticketing and things of that of that nature. I know they tried to make it up with, with some watch parties, but you have to think that wasn't even a, a drop in the bucket of what the the amount of money that they were expecting to make. So for me, I, I, I'm playing the devil's advocate in if you're not in the running to make the playoffs come season split, whether that be or whenever that may be, because obviously we don't even know if the season's going to start on January 1st, right. like they're speculating. Like I kind of wanted to throw out like a, like I think we'd be 50 and 32 or something like that, but we don't right. know how many games we're going to be playing. So. Right. So uh, if, if you see this team outside of the playoffs at that point, and we go on some of these streaks that the Stars have kind of become accustomed to, unfortunately, I think you've got to look at guys 
like Alexander Radulov, like Joe Pavelski, like Cogliano, uh, Cone, Corey Perry. Corey, if you get him back, Corey Perry. I mean, even even Dickinson. You look at these guys who have one or two years left on their contract. Maybe not so much Dickinson. I take that back because I believe he's going to be a restricted free agent whenever his contract is up. But you guys, that you got, look at guys that are unrestricted free agents at the end of this, like Pavelski, Radulov, Cogliano, um, and you you have to explore whether or not you want to trade them off. Um, I think another example is is Klingberg, who has got a couple years left on his contract. One of the most attractive defensemen, scoring defensemen, and and I think he showed recently in the playoffs how much of a great defensive mind he is as well. You kind of have to look at these guys and go, okay, you know, we've got a lot of inv- money invested in them. Is it time to 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 move on from this? Um, I think specifically Radulov and Pavelski um, being. Radulov at 34, Pavelski at 36, both making over $6 million for the next two years. You, you have to kind of think in the devil's advocate frame of mind, are you going to see some of these guys offloaded for draft picks or prospects moving forward? So I'm with you guys. I think we're going to see this team back in the playoffs. I think we're going to see them at least in the Western uh, Conference Finals. And it's probably going to be against Vegas or Colorado. Let's be real. Those teams have just been absolutely shining stars, no pun intended, to our home team uh, in, in free agencies, in this, this free agency so far, uh, specifically the Avalanche, seemingly not giving up any picks or any prospects, um, but somehow re-signing guys and maintaining a great team, if not an even better team now. So I think we've got an exciting time on our hands. I think we're going to see a lot of moves uh, with other teams moving forward. Um, but hopefully the only moves that you guys are, uh, that are listening to make are to jump on board for the stars wagon, uh, jump on board for the podcast, because I think this is the beginning of something fantastic. We're only going to get better from here. Uh, guys, I want to first say thank you for your time. Thank you for jumping on. I, I I'm, I'm super pumped to see where this is going to go. And, uh, hope that we can make this a uh, make this a weekly thing. It's been great to relive some of the stars' yeah. uh, successes. I think we're all having withdrawals over the past couple weeks. Let's just think of it like this: uh, it was just a year ago that we're like looking at preseason games and, or not even preseason games, we're playing like actual hockey now at this point. Yeah, it was uh, a year ago that we started last season that ended two weeks ago. Right. It's it's amazing to think that we've had a uh, a winter classic, a head coaching change, uh, all within like one whole calendar year. It's been a wild ride. Uh, I I don't think anyone expected the stars to make it as far as they did. I'm happy they did. I hope the fans that jumped on board stick around because it's only going to get more exciting the more that you learn about the stars, the more that you learn about the NHL, and the, the more that you learn about hockey as a whole. It's rapidly become my favorite sport to watch, and this is coming from a lifelong diehard baseball fan. I think we can. Uh, I think we can all relate being baseball fans. So this is something that something that uh, is not falling on deaf ears. Now's the time to change. I mean, I don't think the Rangers are going to be making any solid runs anytime soon. So, well, at uh, least they're getting playoff baseball in the ballpark. 
Hey, uh, what is it called? The Gulf? That'll be the only <laughs> playoff <laughs> baseball that the stadium sees over yeah. the next five years, I bet. Uh, Oh, Let's absolutely. go ahead and put money on that. Absolutely. I don't think they're going to see another playoff game until 2025. No, I'm a Rangers so, fan. Mark it right now. What is it? Uh, 933 on October 12th? Hell yeah. <laughs> well, guys, that's going to be the show. That's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks again for taking the time to tune in and listen to just a couple of uh, degenerate hockey fans talking about hockey. Something that you guys may not know that I say uh, that you'll get used to hearing me say is uh, don't forget your Kermit tattoos. You'll have to give us the background on that one on a later episode. Maybe maybe one day. Maybe when we're all grown up. Yeah, maybe when we're a little older. (laughs) Well, guys, that's it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will get back at you next time.